just uh, jump right into what we're doing tonight. We're going to work. A, we're going to work a little bit hard tonight, so kind of be ready. Uh, AV department says, "Are you going to do all that tonight?" And so we, we. I'd like to be able to get through it if I can. Um, so let's just try. Let's just go after. Are you ready with me? So after last time that we were together, what I was speaking about was this whole concept of hoping against hope, and the mathematics of it was that if we boil down, like, what's the thing, what's the switch, what is our portion? Because obviously the supernatural things are not our portion. We do certain things, our, we have a job to do as human beings. The supernatural stuff has already been released, as Pastor Alex says repeatedly. When Jesus went to the cross, God opened up the spigots of supernatural power, and he broke the turny, knobby thing off the top of the spigot, never going to turn it off again. And so we know that, that this power, this, this I can be like Jesus, yes. is available to each one of us. But what is it that we need to do in order to get it working? I think that we've, been, we've all been around the kingdom long enough to know that uh, it's available to us, that we are, uh, as children of God, we possess this ability. And so... What we talked about last time was the way that we ignite that ability is, as, as we looked at the story from Romans chapter 4 of Abraham, when he was the first person to ever do this, what he did, if you take a look at the scripture there, he hoped against hope. Yes. If you go back to Genesis, the discussions that God had with uh, Abraham start in Genesis chapter 9 and 12. And it's not until Genesis 21, which is 25 years later, that the fulfillment of that promise comes to pass. And so what Paul's giving us is he's giving us a play-by-play -play of what is it that Abraham had to do finally, because he had the promise long before, but not the, not the manifestation. What did he have to do in order to actually get the manifestation? And this concept of hoping against hope, right? Remember when we, I mean, we, we did the Vision Sunday, we talked about you know, faith and love and all of those things, which is great. Faith is something to hope for. Faith works by love. So the order of events is first we have to hope, and then we get faith attached to our hope, and then love empowers our faith and produces it in, the, in our natural world. So the beginning of our journey is what's important here. The beginning of our journey is the ability to hope against hope. And if I could just repeat what, what we closed off with last time was this. Supernatural power is wielded by interrupting the natural flow of information and prediction. What is happening? What does it mean? And what does that tell us about what is about to happen? And superimposing over that natural flow, what my normal thing is to expect is about to happen, I need to superimpose over that a promise and the credential of the person promising. That's what it means to hope against hope. That in now, in the difficulty in this is that when we're sitting in church, it's not hard to hope against hope. When someone's got a gun to your head and has got the, got the trigger cocked, that's when it gets hard to hope against hope. Right? When the wolf is at the door, now it's hard to hope against hope. When the phone call comes from the doctor about the blood test you had yesterday and she needs to see you today in 20 minutes, 
That's when it's hard to hope against hope. When the moment comes where we are, our expectation or our expector, that part of our brain that's doing the prediction part, when that thing begins to go in the wrong direction, what do we do? Because if we can become skillful at that very moment, knowing exactly what to do, what happens is, is that we can learn the skill of hoping against hope, maybe when there's easy things that we're contending with. Because God, the, 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 the plan of God for your life is going to involve many impossible gateways. There's many levels that are all impossible or will appear to be impossible as we are going down the road between you and your destiny, between you and the great, amazing plan God has for your life. It is at those moments of impossible when you have no idea how it's going to turn out, when the, or, you're, or you, ex, you think it's going to turn out disastrous. It is at that point that the decision is going to be made as to whether I turn back, I, I procrastinate, I hesitate, I slow down, I go backwards, or am I able to hope against hope in that moment? I mean, really do it, not churchy do it. Really do it. That empowers us to be able to step in for our hope to be in the right place, with the right expectancy, with the faith to be there, and with the love to be on top of it, so that all three of those dynamic force, spiritual forces empower me to get through the situation that would normally have caused me to turn around and run the other way. Or maybe I would have walked and whistled, but I'd have still walked the other way. So that's what we're going to We're going to try and un uncover then if this matter, hoping against hope, is the critical human ability to develop. And if we develop this, in fact, most of the other things that are ahead aren't going to be difficult. They kind of fall a lot into the hands of the Holy Ghost and into the hands of God and all the things that he has set up. He just needs us to stand and see the salvation of God. He just needs us not to be so intimidated by the negative force, what we, have, what we perceive to be negative forces about to hit us. We have to, be, we have to develop the skill of knowing how to still believe God still believe his word, still expect it to come to pass, even when the situation seems undeniably, inevitably impossible. If we learn to do that, literally, spiritual power will be wielded like it was wielded in Jesus' life. Because he just would not let the, the, the severity or the intensity of the situation he was facing cause him to back down. He had so much confidence in God. He had so much confidence in the word of God, which is the promise and the promiser, that he just would never turn back. And then we can take a look at maybe our lives, let's say historically, and we can say, you know, when I was really good at hoping against hope until I got to the real pressure time. Right? What, you know what happens? You know what, you know what medal you win if you only run nine-tenths of the race? Yeah, you get none, right? And that's what happens a lot of times is that we're good, we're good. It's at least, uh, let me tell you about my life. I'm super good. Uh, the third of the month, 
you know, that's the third, that's three days after I paid all the bills from last month, you know, I'm really good on the third. The fourth is actually pretty good too. 21st, I'm even still pretty, doing okay. Now we get to the 28th, the 29th, right? Then what happens, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? The pressure gets more and more and more and more. Do we still have the same hope or expectation on the 28th of the month that we had on the second of the month? You know, you understand my metaphor. I don't think it works like much like that anymore. I don't know if we go by months anymore. I, thankfully, I don't do that job anymore. Uh, so, okay, so in that case, what we do in that moment of pressure is going to make all the difference in the world. Can you see that? Like we're going to be going along and we're going to be having this situation where impossible kind of escalates up until this apex point right here where the victory is right there. And it's like as it's getting further and further and further along here, our hope is getting challenged more and more and more and more. It's the ability to just keep on going right through that line and all of a sudden the miracle happens, the situation is solved, whatever it is that's going to be going on. And we, you know, it's always hard to find this spot, right? Because I always think the spot should be here. But it's not here. And then if it's not there, then for sure it's going to be here. And then if it's not there, for sure it's going to be here. What's happening? Right? This can wear you out as you keep going along this road, right? Until you finally keep, you know, you see what's happening? All this is putting strain upon your ability to still hope in the timeline between receiving the promise and getting the manifestation. There's got to, we have to develop this thing we're going to talk about tonight, this thing that gives us the ability to stay in the game as long as the game is being played, that I do not move, and I have to know how to maintain that condition of my soul, hot expectation, all the way along the journey. If I can do that, it's what was being required of Abraham when he had to hope against hope. And when that thing, and we'll study more about the details that Paul gives us about exactly what that means, but if, if you, those details will do us no good. If we don't realize, it's ex, it, and this is a common experience through every one of our souls. Everybody had this situation. Jesus had this situation. He just knew how to handle it, how to turn his face towards the Lord and handle that situation so that his hope and expectancy did not turn the other, in the other direction, right? Because Jesus was pretty, pretty cocky telling uh, the, the Jewish people that in three days, you know, go ahead and destroy this temple, three days they're going to raise it up. At any point in time after he said that, he could have said, okay, I don't think that's really going to happen. My body's pretty tore up right now. I don't think that... If he'd have done that, He'd have been in a lot of trouble when it came to getting back to earth alive if he had broken the words that were the words that were released to get him out of the grave after the fact, right? That's what each one of us have to do. And it's not like we're going to be facing a crucifixion experience, you know, before breakfast tomorrow. But all of us can, uh, can, can take the baby steps right now once we understand. So this is all the Bible turned down into one small moment that I can see the victory in my life and start developing a pattern of supernatural victory in my life because I can see when I do this particular thing 
and I just keep myself steadily expecting. I walk across one, one moment, as a, you know, a tick in time, and all of a sudden the manifestation is there. And I start learning now. And we have an expectation. The more and more this starts to happen in our lives, we build an expectation for it, which makes it stronger and stronger and easier and easier and easier, right? Using supernatural power for the first time is the hardest. Once you've seen it working in your life, it doesn't necessarily make it zippity-doo for the next time you do it, but you have, you have a lion and a bear in your life too, right. right? You have a victory. You have something that God has done, and you know how God did it because you did it on purpose. And it's this magical experience of just doing what you need to do in that particular moment and becoming skillful at it that all of a sudden sets your life free, okay? So if your soul then is the key and what and the, sort of like the decision of your soul deci the decision of your soul at that moment is the critical responsible place because i can go left and freak out and yell and scream and make a bunch of negative confessions or i can stay the course with god and keep on going there's a decision that your soul is going to make to hope against hope in that particular moment. If that's the case, then who's the boss of your soul? Think about it for a moment. Who tells your soul what to do? It's a very important concept. Ready for who it is? It's your attention. Where do you put your attention. Where you put your attention at the moment is going to decide which way you go. If I govern, now let's, let's just take, let's do some science for a moment. The, the, your, there's, a, there's a piece of your brain, I think it's called the parental or parental, is that what it is, Joanna? Right here, right on top of your, your heavily populated hair spot right here on the back of your head. Is, your, is where your visual sensory data comes in. And then, once your, your attention has been drawn to something, then your, it gives the information over to your frontal lobe, which is here. How many of you, you know, when you want to concentrate, you go like this. And the reason you're doing that is because the guy that concentrates is right here, your prefrontal cortex. So what happens when you are so pe there's, there's two kinds of people, people who have a really strong, say the word for me, pe pe who's got, who, who, who's got, where, where's all my doctors? Yeah, parietal. parietal, is that how you say it? No, the, the sensory one, anyways. No, 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 this, it starts with a P. It's, it looks like parental, except the R is missing. Anyways, anyways, focus, focus, focus. What happens is your attention is drawn to something, usually because of some kind of sensory data. I see something, particularly if it's moving. I hear something, particularly if it's loud. I feel something, or taste something. Not the, those, the main three are those. When my attention is drawn to something, mm -hmm. it gives the information to my prefrontal cortex, and then my prefrontal cortex decides how long I'm going to look at it. How long am I going to study it, stay focused on it, okay? So now, now you know that there are people who are easily distracted, but then they cannot 
focus. And then there's other people who are very focused, but are not easily distracted. When Tina came down, I was working on today's notes a little bit. Tina came down behind me, and I was very busy in this one section. And so she, I, she, says, she had to say to me, do you have five minutes for me? Yes, dear, I certainly do. And I put my stuff down, turned around, and we hung out for five minutes. Because I'm, I'm a good concentrator, but you know, and I may be too good of a concentrator because then I don't, I don't allow distractions in the middle of my concentration. Do you understand? And then there's other people who are really good at, at uh, noticing things and observing things and seeing what's going on around them, but they're not good at maintaining their concentration on that thing when they see it. What has to happen is, is that when we are developing this, you're going to be distracted. Now, distracted internally and distracted externally. There's a lot of stuff that's going on inside of our minds, not only from the data that's coming in from outside, but when there are pressurized situations, we are very distracted by the activities of our own mind. The things that I remember from the past and the things that I'm predicting of the future, depending on how all of that is going on inside of me, it's creating a lot of distractionary pressure. And the ability for us to focus our attention can become disturbed. And it becomes more disturbed by how loud, if you will, the distractions come to the thing that I'm trying to do. Does that make sense? Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I'll show you this in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, now this is where God is coming to, uh, through Moses, he's explaining to, uh, to us what the blessing of Abraham was about. How does it work? And he starts off Deuteronomy 28 by saying this, And it shall come to pass, if you will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe to do all of his commandments which I have commanded you this day, that the Lord your God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. How many of you are looking for the blessings to come upon you and overtake you? Yeah. If, if, you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. That word now, hearken, is the word shama. Now, very interestingly, in verse 1, so you'll have fun with this. In verse 1 it says, And it shall come to pass if you shall hearken diligently. What, the word that they use for hearken diligently, the word diligently is also the word shama. So what that says is shama shama. Now what shama shama means is to hearken diligently, to pay close attention. And then when it goes into verse 2 there, it repeats that word shama, only uses it one time. But you can see that in one verse where, the, where God is saying this is how the blessings come upon you and overtake you, the primary operative word for each one of our lives is the word shama shama. It's the ability to pay close attention. The word shama means to hear with interest or attention. Okay, now realize that when you are putting something in your mind, Think about the things that you're thinking about now. You're cold, you're miserable, he's talking too long, 
you're hungry, all of these things are distracting you. How powerful is their ability to distract you, to draw your interest or draw your attention? Then look at it from the point of view when you're, like for example, when you're reading your Bible in the morning or in the evening, whenever you do your reading. How many times can you get to the end of the chapter and not have, not have remembered a single word of the chapter that you just wrote? Because even though your eyes were working their way through all the words, your brain was distracted and it was able to stay distracted for the entire 12 minutes that it took you to read the, the chapter. You see, what's happening is, is there's external distractions happening and internal distractions happening. What Moses is saying here is that in order for us to see the blessing come through on our lives, we have to be able to maintain focus and attention towards a very particular thing, which in this situation, he's clear, it is the voice of the Lord our God. Or when you're reading your Bible, or whatever, we'll talk about some of the other things. But the ability to maintain a focused concentration and attention to that thing with interest. I am super interested in what God is saying here. I'm so excited about it. It's maintaining my attention. If I'm able to do that, I'm going to be further along down the road. Using it twice, Shama Shama, is, those of you that are you're, you're in Uganda, so you know that this is a pretty common way of communicating uh, in, in Africa. They will repeat the word. If they want you to go and get something, they say, can you get it for me? But then if they want you to go and get it right now fast, they go, 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 now, now. And that's a way that they communicate. And it's a, I don't think it's rude. I hope it's not rude. But uh, it's just it, a way of emphasizing. I don't just want you to go now. I want you to go, go, now, now. Which means zippity-doo, you got to hurry. That's the way God is using this. He's saying, pay attention that you pay attention. Really, really, really focus with deep interest to the things that, you're, that are going on. Develop the ability to be able to have maybe all kinds of distractions going on around us, and we just zero in and focus in on the Word of God, or focus in on what God is saying, focus on what, what is going on, you know, whatever, other than all the things that are going on externally and all the things that are going on internally. You see this again. So your attention, its job is to detect, then select, and then direct. That's what it does. When it sees something that's going on, it draws your attention over to that thing. It selects what's going on in the, in the, in the confusion of everything that is being observed right now. There's this thing that I have to see. And then I'm going to direct my attention right towards that. That's the job of this place in, your, in the back of your head. In Proverbs, we see that we see wisdom, the, the personification of wisdom, the person of wisdom talking. It's written by Solomon, I know. But it's written from the perspective of I wisdom, as if wisdom was a person. And wisdom says often, pay attention to my words. Shama. Shama, shama, my words. And then wisdom, understanding, discretion, life, and health are the promised reward of shama, shamaing. If I pay attention, I receive those things. And because I receive those things, wisdom, understanding, and then discretion. 
Discretion is the ability to apply wisdom and understanding to the situation that you are finding yourself in. So when the world is coming crashing down around you, can I focus myself, zero in, grab hold of the wisdom, grab hold of the understanding, take that in discretion and apply it into my situation so that I can clearly see how to just follow the Lord through all the chaos and I make it through to the other side, calm and hopeful all the way through. That's the objective. And you do that simply, this is the key to tonight, simply by learning how to pay attention to the right things and then focus your attention on the right thing that you've drawn your that your attention has been drawn to. There's not there's so much information, that's what's important. There's so much information that is going on around you and and competing as a stimulating force externally and internally, particularly as you make your way up that curve. The situations become more and more pressurized. And you're, as all of this is swirling around inside of your soul, your mind uses the technique of focusing on a particular thing in order to get some order out of all of the chaos. The problem is, for the most part, we don't focus on the right thing. If I get my cell phone bill in the mail and it's, you know, it's twice as much as I thought it should be, what do I focus my attention on? If I focus my attention on my bank account or, my, or the bill, then I, it's not going to take me in the right direction, no matter how hard I concentrate on it. What I have to be able to do is have a history already with the ability to say, you know what, this is what the situation is. I'm going to follow this direction right here. Stay on that path, not distracted by the fact that there's not enough money in your bank account in order to pay your cell phone bill. Not distracted by the fact that your doctor just said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. I have to be able to stay, at, not just faking it, denial and all those type of things, but I honestly know this path is the path to get me from what is where I am right now to the other side of what appears to be impossible. Okay? So there's, and, it, and there's, you, we should know this, this is even more of a problem today. When they measure the, the amount of, of distractionary st stimulus that we are faced with today, it is five times as much as it was in 1968. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine how many more times it is compared to Abraham sitting on a rock in the middle of nowhere watching some sheep? They didn't have an internet back then. They didn't have phones back then. They didn't have billboards. They didn't have TVs. They didn't have 500 cable channels. They didn't have all that stuff. Right. He told Abraham, you need to shama shama. We really need to know how to shama 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 now. Distractions are anything that pulls on our attention. We have to know how to not respond to that thing that is pulling on our attention. Or we need to be able to stop for a moment and say, would it be a good idea if I turn my attention towards this thing? And make the conscious decision to respond to a distraction 
because I've determined that distraction is actually a good thing. I'm sitting on the floor crying like a baby because I can't handle the news that I just got. Tina comes up to me and says, Ian, everything is going to be okay. And I say, get out of here. I can't stop. You take your God stuff and get out of here. <laughs> See, I shouldn't have done that. I should have allowed her to come in and distract me from my foolish thinking. You understand? In the moment, it sounds easy to, to talk about on Wednesday night, right? But in the moment, I have to have practiced that. I have to really know this is all, this is the big mirage that I'm, being, that I'm responding to right now, and I need somebody that can see clearly coming into this picture. Okay? Of course. You got her, uh, Brad? I was just thinking about the, because just thinking about the example that I used about that, you know, that gentleman that the Lord was mm -hmm. speaking to about, you know, get yourself man. up at 4.30 in the morning, kneel by your bed, I have an assignment for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about all six of those men, you know, so that we can take what you're saying and apply it to different situations and circumstances in our lives. And if we look at them in that moment, they needed to be able to perceive which was the distraction. Yeah. You know, to actual, actual, accurately perceive Yep. And that's what the Word of God does for us, right? It, it builds up our believing and our faith so that when, we, when things are constantly coming at us, we're able to discern, because that's, you know, apparently a, a shift or a change, but perceiving, no, laying in bed would be a distraction to me right now, right. and getting up out of bed, which doesn't make sense to your natural mind. So it's the wisdom that you're saying right. to be able to hear God, pay attention, and, and through experience, commanding your body to follow. Yeah, you could, I could almost bet you that that wasn't the guy's first experience with God waking him up in the middle of the night and asking for Get him up to out obey. Of bed. Right? Now, Lord? After a while, that's the whole point, is that it's okay that we are in, you know, baby steps, that, but we have to learn... This is what the actual job is. A lot of times it's difficult for us to know what God is doing when he's doing, you know, God asked me to do something, so I turned left on the set of turning right, and I went around the block, and oh, well, that was stupid. That wasn't stupid. Following God in that, you just learn, uh, you know, what's the, what does God talk like? How does it go? You know, all of these little things. Maybe there is evidence, if you look for it, that there was some reason God had you do that. But there's this process of, developing the ability to pay attention to these things and remain focused on it so that when the situation, a more, a more uh, oppressive or impossible situation were to face itself or face you, I already know how to do this, right? I remember I'm reminded of a teaching I did a while ago. I don't even know if we called it this, but I, we should maybe go back and call it this. But it's the power of pretending. It was the name of the teaching. And it was just the ability, don't, I don't know, I don't care if you're shaking in your boots or you just soiled yourself, stay focused, even if what you're doing is pretending. Just learn that you can actually get through what appears to be a real situation. You just keep going forward and you'll see that you'll make it through the circumstance. Just don't respond to it the way we normally would have based on our small h hope with all this negative, 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 because then all the power that's available from God and from creation and from everything God has done is simply waiting on us to hope against hope. And when we can honestly hope against hope in that circumstance, there's no power more, you know, God has released all of it. 
He, we have full access to whatever it would need to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Internal distractions, particularly movement and noise, but also touch, right? We're very, very sensitive, even the smallest of, of interaction like that, and all of a sudden you can be distracted, yeah. okay? Uh, uh, the internal distractions, uh, studies show that 50% of the time you are distracted internally. Right, that means that I've been going now for whatever, maybe 24 minutes. You've only actually heard 12 minutes of what I've said. And so I hope you didn't miss the really good parts. <laughs> but realizing that that's just an average. Wow. And so we can, we can see that it's, we have to really, if you're li listening and it's key data that you're getting, then you really have to be focusing and learning how to maintain a keen interest in the next thing I'm about to say so that your, your brain circuitry isn't just shutting off and hearing blah, 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 blah until we do the greatest church in the galaxy thing. There's a, there's a real focus and you're listening and attentive, right? It's in, like when you're reading your Bible, the same thing, is that I'm really interested in what is about to come next. I know you've read that scripture 750 times, but read it again and be interested to, to, to find something that you didn't find before, to know something or realize something that you didn't, but you're, you're anxious, you're hungry. I think Pastor Tina uses that word. You're hungry to get the next thing out. When you maintain that level of zeal, rather than, oh my gosh, I got to get through this chapter before I go to bed tonight, you know, God's going to strike me with a lump, no, right? Then you're, 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 you're turn, you're, your brain's going to easily become distracted in that because you're not giving interest and attention to what you're actually doing. You're, you know what I mean? So your 50% is distracted by your past and your future, you know, regrets and dreads, worries and stresses, all of these pictures that are running around, things you forgot to do or things that you, some, you did do but you did wrong or whatever, all, these, all of this is going on. You all know what that feels like, right? To be distracted by all of these internal forces. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. You know, some of the most challenging scriptures right here in the Bible. You know, these are some of the ones I've, I've been working on these suckers for 20 years now. And it's like, you know, you're just trying to get them. Understand what they say. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof. It's, how challenging is that scripture to you guys? Seek first. You can hear in that. Give attention to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's ways, God's word. Same thing that he was instructing uh, Abraham to do. If you will do these things, then all of these blessings shall come upon you. It'll just be added to you. It's exact, God is saying exactly the same thing through Jesus to us that he was saying through Moses about Abraham. All we had to do was seek first, give that seeking. You can hear that same attention, you know, that dramatic way of focusing our soul onto the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then take no thought. So when it comes to all of this inner turmoil that would be causing all the chaos inside of us, he's saying don't do that. So number one, 
Where can I go here? I'll go up here. Number one, concentrate. These are the, these are the soul abilities then that we want to start working on. Zero in at the matter at hand. Gather the mental energy to focus firmly on the situation. Allow everything else to settle. You know, most of us in our culture, we would call ourselves busy. We're not busy, we're chaotic. That's different, right? Running around in a circle, freaking out about everything is not busy, right? It's chaotic. What God wants to be able to empower us with, he wants to be able to empower us to do 10 times as much in, in, in a tenth of the time. And that's possible when we can get a, when we can get a firm grip on the, 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 this chaos that goes on inside of our souls. Concentration settles chaos. Okay, so concentration is not trying to concentrate on getting rid of all the problems that are on the inside of me. You can tell that's definitely not going to lead to peace. Concentration, actually doing it right, actually leads to peace. Because what you're doing is, you know what the answer is, because I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and so I know what, if I can stop all the chaos right now and just let it settle down. Because you can do that. You can just get all the kerfuffle if you just stop. And just let it settle down. And concentrate whatever it is you know about God. It doesn't really matter. Something about God. He's good. God's good and He loves me. I'm just going to concentrate right now on God loves me and He's good. He's good. He's good. He loves me. He created everything. He loves me. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible to know that those things are, are true, right? What we do when we're doing that is we're we just take enough time for all the chaos to settle down. And we'll feel it on the inside. Your soul feels these things. So it's not like you're taking a time out, right? Well, you sort of are, but that's not, the, that's not the point. It's not like a discipline. It's not like you're being bad. And we need to take a time out because you're being stupid or something like that. It's just the chaos has risen up in your soul. Developing the ability to, to stop for a moment. Just reach out your hand and just take Jesus' hand. And he'll turn to you if, his, if he talks to you like he talks to me. All I really want to know, same question every time. I just say, Jesus, is everything going to be okay? And he says, yep. I said, yep. Yep. He said, yes. He said, yes. And you see, as I'm caught now, I've found, I've let it settle. I find Jesus in it. I find the Lord. I find the Holy Spirit, you know, which, however you, you know, what's your practice there. And just let him talk. But when he talks, what, is, what, is, what, does he say, what did he say to Abraham? Shama, shama, on the voice of the Lord. Right? See, now, if you can do just that, you, you can feel the power of it already, right? 
and feel what would happen in that miserable moment when you're going to freak out and run for the door and God says everything's going to be okay. He may, talk, he, may, he may say other things to you. He may remind you of something. He may bring a scripture to you. He might just give you a picture. You may just know, oh, this is the devil and he wants me to run. You know, if the devil says you're going to die, celebrate because he's a liar and he only lies. And so if just, okay, do the math. Just, just. Okay, does everybody see that point? So don't think this now, don't just move on here. Remember, this is a real thing you have to do. When the situation presents itself, grab on to your brains. Your attention is the boss of your brain. Give your attention intentionally to concentrating, slowing down, breathing easy, do what you do, you know, however you maybe turn around circles or, you know, funny, Olivia does this. I started doing it just like this. I don't know why it works, but I'll just go like, don't, you know, all my secrets now. Pastor Ian is such a whack job. I just shake my head like this. I don't know why it works, but it does work. So I don't know, you learn the stuff that works for you. Let's run that Bag of Vance clip. Let me show, let me, sh let me, let me give it to you in a, this is the greatest movie. How many of y'all seen Bag of Vance? You know, greatest movie ever made, right? Watch this when it comes to explaining this very point. Oh, yes. Greatest, greatest game, game there is. Right, right Hardy? Yes, sir. The greatest, greatest game there will ever be. Just yes, you and the ball. All by your nose. Thank Time for what? Practice, man. Almost like he's searching for something. And then he finds it. Which he settles up right into the middle of it. Feel that focus. He got a lot of shots he could choose from. Duffs and tops and skulls. There's only one shot that's in perfect harmony with the field. One shot that's his. Authentic shot. And that shot is going to choose him. 
Pittsburgh to shout out there trying to find each and every one of us. What we got to do is get ourselves out of this way. Let it choose us. Take you there, Junior. Just hopes I can help you find a way. That's you. That ball. That flag. And all you are, seek it with your hands. Don't think about it. Feel it. Looking at it, Junior. Feel it. It's just There's you, one shot, that's in perfect ball. You don't see that. It's the home of your authentic swing, that flag, and all that you are. That was a great, a, a great way to depict what happens when you concentrate. Did you see how when he was concentrating there, he picked a point where he had to see, and you know, in the visuals of the movie, all the people disappeared, all the noise disappeared. Your soul does that. It's a byproduct of concentration. When everything else, it's like your soul has to get its assets, its energy, its abilities focused in on something. And the more you focus, the more it has to let everything else go away. That ability to do that is critical to you being able to, in the moment, hope against hope. 
because the issue is always at the heightened moment. It's always in the difficult moment when it's ch- your hope is being challenged in an intense way. As we've learned how to concentrate, focus our energies, let all the emotions, we'll talk about this next time I'm up here, let all of the emotions go away. So as you're concentrating, I'm physically, intentionally allowing all the emotional distractions and issues and pictures and dreads and fears, I'm letting it all just go away. And I'm not going to move from this place of concentration because we have a couple other steps to go through. But I'm not leaving this moment of concentration until I can feel that all the chaos around me has stopped. And that if I'm, in, if I'm sitting face to face, I'm across the table I'm with me, I'm on a beach with Jesus. And when I'm on a beach with him and I'm talking with him, everything else is now gone. And, I'm not, and sometimes when it's a heightened problem, difficult to work out, you know, we guys, especially us, I think maybe men are like this, maybe, I don't, maybe women are too, I just wouldn't know that because I ain't one, but the, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the bigger the problem, the more our soul tries to figure it out. There's a lot more to get settled. Takes longer. That's okay. Wait there until it does. Put your hand over your heart. And say, Heavenly Father, Father, teach me me to concentrate, to to be able to focus my attention onto a particular thing that you are saying to me in the midst of the turmoil and chaos that is being created by the world I live in and my internal realities. Holy Spirit, you're the one that comes alongside to help. I need your help to develop my ability to concentrate long enough so that all the emotional energy settles. In Jesus' name.